Amen, amen. Hey, welcome to Victory Church. Do me a favor, do an air high five. We're air high five nowadays at Victory. Uh, that's just how we roll. And so, you know, <laughs> I think some people are raising the roof, but that's okay. You know, air high fives, raising the roof, there's similarity in those. So, yeah, long as there's excitement in the building. Hey, again, welcome family that's here with us. Let me hear you real quick. Say hi to me. How you doing, family? Good to see you this morning. Uh, everybody, all of our family online, welcome. It's so good to be with you. Do me a favor, put something in the chat right now. Give me a little heart or a wave, maybe a thumbs up, maybe the bicep you know, flex or something. Give me something that just lets me know that you're with us, that you love us. You're so happy to be at church this morning. Just a couple of quick announcements before we jump into the Word. Uh, number one is this. If you are visiting with us, maybe this is your first time, maybe you've been coming for a while, but you just haven't really taken the steps to get connected, there's a couple ways you can do that. Uh, first of all, whether you are in person or online, you can text the number that's coming up on the screen, and it's just Victory18-31996, and what that does, that's going to send you kind of a mobile connection card, and you can fill some of that out and send it back to us. And it lets us know that you're here. It lets us know that we can, uh, who's visiting, who's watching with us, and we can connect with you, answer any of your questions. And then our biggest passion is get you more involved, get you more connected. Also, if you are with us in person, I'd love to invite you if you're visiting, um, or maybe you've been coming for a couple of weeks to meet my wife and I. We'll be in the lobby after service. Uh, don't worry, we'll be masked on, we'll be sanitized up, but we would love to, to be able to just connect with you and, and uh, you know, answer some of your questions and so on. Also, if you're looking for ways to support Victory to Give, obviously there are ways you can text to give, the website, um, and those ways will be coming up on the screen. But also along with that, if you're with us in person, uh, as we've been saying the past couple of weeks, just so you know, we have a contactless area right outside the double doors um, that's kind of a little black box to where you can give so that you don't have to, we don't have to pass the, the, uh, the buckets or anything and we can be as safe as possible. Last but not least, with this series, oh, oh, oh let me say this real quick. I was going to jump on to the series. Uh, th this year, Valentine's Day is on a Sunday. There's no excitement in this building for Valentine's Day. That means you either got a bunch of single people or people have been married way too long. You know what I mean? Been married way too long. It's like, oh, yay, more chocolate from the dollar store. Uh, so so my, 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 my men, my homies, uh, Valentine's Day is on a Sunday this year. I'm letting you know now. Get your orders in on Thursday, Friday, whatever it is. But we are doing some special things that Sunday here and, and, and online for our church. We're going to do some special giveaways. We're going to try to hook you up. Uh, we'll have something a little special if you're here in person. And it's just we're kind of slowly working our way. Way. We would always do little creative things depending on the time of the year, and obviously the pandemic kind of put a pause to some of that stuff, so we're trying to kind of, kind of check the water, check the temperature of the water, see how things are going, so uh, we're hoping that that weekend you'll join us, and then hopefully you'll be able to win the giveaway, and most of all, hopefully you will do what you need to do to be in good grace with your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, or whatever. Okay, all right, all right, all right, nobody cares. We're moving on. Okay, so we're in a series called The Journey, where we are studying through the book of John, and here's my big announcement with this, is get a journal. Everybody say, get a journal. Get a journal. I've been talking to a couple of different people who they've been journaling since we've been doing this series, and they're like, it's, it's so incredible. I'm putting all this information down, and here's the cool part, is God will tell you stuff that I didn't say. And so as you're writing, you'll hear something or I'll say something that'll trigger a thought. And you'll be able to write some stuff down. And listen, where we're going as a church, I've shared this a little bit. I don't know if you watched the birthday video that was on social media. You got to hear some of the vision. You got to hear about a missions trip. What, what, what? All right. You're more good. I'm glad you're more excited about missions than Valentine's Day. It makes me feel good. Um, but, but you get to write stuff down as we're going through the journey, and then we're going to start that book of Acts with a series called Believe, and so you'll be able to write all that stuff down and really get educated on the Word so that you can, like we were talking about just a couple minutes ago, share the gospel, because the more equipped you feel, you sit down and somebody has questions, you say, hold on, let me pull out my journal, see if, see if Troy's talked about it. You know, all, it's, just, it's just good, so get it. Get a journal. If you don't have a journal and you can't afford a journal, talk to me, and I'll buy you a journal. I just want you to have a journal. Veda, do not ask for a journal. You're the only one here who can't ask for a journal. I'm just kidding. We'll buy you a journal. I'm just kidding. Um, and so uh, because of all that's happening, my, my 10-year-old gets to be in service with us on Sunday, so I'm excited to be able to, for her to hear the word. All right, you ready? We're, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off track because I see my baby girl. Y'all ready to get into the word? John chapter 14 is where we're going. So if you got your Bibles turned there, if you got your phones, feel free to go there. And you may say, hey, 14, we were in 14 last week. I really thought we were going to 15 this week. We were going to 15 this week. And then I saw a verse 
that I, I said, man, I just cannot skip over this because I think if we're building our belief in Jesus um, and what we believe about Jesus, this verse we're going to talk about, or these two verses we're going to talk about, tend to get a, a bad representation. And so I just felt like we really need to talk about those. Let me break them down a little bit. And you'll see them when I get there. You'll know them when I get there. So John chapter 14, we're going to start at verse 9. A couple of verses at first. We, we talked a little bit about last week. And then we'll go to 14, and then I'll, I'll open up the word, and we'll get going. Here we go. 14.9 says, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. We talked about this last week, how Jesus is God. He was saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Because obviously you've seen me. Don't you believe that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. We've talked about this. Jesus doesn't say things that is not the words that God wants him to say. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So everything I say, everything I do, Jesus says, I'm doing it because it's what God wants me to do. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So he says, either believe it or believe in the miracles that I've been doing. Uh, John refers to his miracles as signs in the book of John, and that's what he's saying. They're all signs to prove what Jesus has been saying. All right, verse 12, here we go. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Now we've preached about this before, and you may say, greater, what does that mean? It does not mean greater in sensation. There is yet to be somebody who has done something greater than resurrect from the dead, okay? So it doesn't mean greater in sensation. It means more greater in this aspect, that Jesus was one man, and he was preaching at that time to a certain area, and the more, when he leaves, the Holy Spirit will come into us, and then we will have people sharing the gospel in Smyrna, and in, in, in uh, Murfreesboro, and in Alabama, and in Florida, and there will be more people knowing the gospel. So Jesus says, you guys are going to do things even greater than what I've been doing, because Peter, when he first preaches, sees more people uh, follow Jesus than Jesus saw in his entire ministry. So that's what he means by you will do even greater things, okay? So in other words, don't be walking around going, I expect to rise from the dead because Jesus rise from the dead. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being able to see more influence, okay? That's what Jesus says. Because I'm going to the Father. Now, here you go. Verse 13. Here's the two verses. You ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. Yeah, you sound ready. Here we go. Verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for, say it, anything in my name, and I will do it. You can ask me for anything, and I will do it. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look at the person beside you, person closest to you, and I want you to tell them the title of my sermon, okay? It's, it's a question, actually, and so if you're not sitting by somebody, lean, look back, or look in front, try to get somebody, ask them the title of my sermon. You ready? Here's the title. Say this. Say, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? A ask them more natural. Be like, am I, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? I, I don't know if you ever asked this question, but, but I'm kind of an adventurer, and so I, I've done a lot of things in my life that, that were, you know, I did this and it was the first time I'd ever done it. You know, it was kind of more of a, a step out of adventure. You know, uh, for example, um, I remember the first time I went horseback riding with my wife. Uh, that's not something I wanted to do, but she wanted me to do it. And so I remember doing that horseback riding for the first time. And I remember getting onto the horse and looking at her and going, am I, am I doing it right? Like, you know, I know I'm just sitting here, but there's parts of me that are very scared at this current moment. And so am, am I doing it right? And then uh, I remember that she took me skiing for the first, most of my first times, you know, Darla, her family took me with them. And so we went skiing for the first time. And I remember skiing and falling. And, it, and I thought, man, that was a really big heel. And then I found out it was just literally like, it wasn't even a heel. It was just getting from like the, the, where the picnic tables were to the actual ground. And so that was, you know, that was an experience. But I remember, you know, looking to her and going like, am I, am I doing it right? Uh, I recently got to go to, with a friend to box. And so he was kind of teaching me how to box. And so I've hit bags for fun before, but he was teaching me the whole, you know, the, the, the way to stand and the different things. And I, I would do something. I'd be like, you know, am, am I doing it right? Like, it's, it's just natural for us as human beings, when we start to do something for the first time, 
no matter how many times, you know, no matter how much we think it's important or, or how, how desperate we are to learn how to do it, there's kind of always this moment where if we were honest with ourselves, we'd be like, I just need to ask you, am, am, I, am I doing it right? Like, am I, am I doing it right? Pr- prayer is presented to us as one of the most powerful and probably one of the most simple things that we could do, Right? If we think about it, the way prayer is presented to us, it's, it's powerful, but it's also presented as, as simple. Yet so many of us struggle with consistently doing it. So again, prayer is considered powerful. It's considered easy, but yet so many of us struggle to do it. In fact, there's a moment, we'll see it a little bit later in Matthew 6, where Jesus is praying and the disciples are there and they, they witness Jesus praying. And the Bible says that when Jesus is done praying, the disciples go to him and they say, Jesus, can, can you teach us how to pray? Now, now, here's what's unique about the situation. These men had been praying since they were kids. It, it, it was normal in that culture that they were raised up in that they naturally prayed all the time. There was a, they had the same literature, the Old Testament that we had. They would have had certain vernacular that we have today. And they would have prayed a lot, probably every day, ritually, you know, all the whole time they were growing up. So when they saw Jesus praying, they weren't saying, teach us how to pray because we never prayed before. What happened was when they watched Jesus pray, it was different than what they were used to. What they saw Jesus doing, the, the atmosphere, the why behind it, the, the, what was going on was different than anything they had ever experienced before. And so the way I pictured it was there was this moment where they kind of stepped back and they were like, Man, I don't think we've been doing it right. They, it was so amazing that they were starting to compare what they had been doing their whole life and calling it prayer. And they said, wow, there's, there's no comparison. And so they walked over and said, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? I know that we all understand prayer to be communication with God. But what if it isn't just talking to God? What if there's more to it, right? And so here's what I hope to accomplish today in this message. This message is for every one of my friends in person and online that have ever stepped back, thought about prayer, and said, am I doing it right? Am I, I mean, I've feel kind of weird, but I don't really know if it's working. So am I, am I doing it right? Let's go back to John 14. Let's just take what Jesus said, because this is important. These are, these are verses that people will probably bring to you all throughout your life for different reasons. So let's look at them again. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father, right? We just explained that. And I will do whatever you ask in my name whatever you ask, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything, there it is, in my name, again, and I will do it. Now, I don't think, and I don't really think you believe, that prayer is like this blank check system that we have with God, where we can present to him a blank line and get him to kind of sign at the bottom and then we can put whatever we want. Like, I don't think we actually think that's what that verse is saying, that, that, that literally God kind of pre-signs checks, and then once you become a believer, he hands them out to us, and then you just say, well, what do I want? I'd like a Porsche, or you know, whatever, I'd like a yacht, and you can just write it, and as long as you write it, and he signs, you get it. I, I don't think that's what we actually think that verse says, but if we just take that verse at face value, doesn't it? kind of seem like that, right? I mean, let's just be honest for a second. Put your religious hats off for a second, and let's just be real honest. If we just looked at it the way Jesus said it, we kind of get the impression that if I pray and I do it in Jesus's name, I get whatever I ask for, right? You know, I've been taught for years that there is no wrong way to pray, 
And I believe that. Like, like you know, I, we, could, we could really talk through that. Obviously, there are some things you could say that would be wrong. But, but I think the, the, the context in which they're talking about, you learning to pray, that there is really no wrong way to pray. I believe it. But, but what if our misunderstanding of prayer is actually limiting our experience of it? What if, what, if our mis, what if the fact that we don't know if we're doing it right is actually limiting our experience of prayer altogether? In Jesus' day, Jesus actually refers to them in the Bible. He, he calls them religious uh, uh, hypocrites. And, and he talks about these guys that would, would stand on the street corners and they would pray. And here's some of the things they would do. They would stand on the street corners and they would pray really loud. So they would wail, you know, oh, Jesus, you know, very loud so that everybody who was walking to the Starbucks could hear them and, and get their attention. They'd say all the big words, you know, I don't, I don't know what they were, but all, all the big spiritual words that they needed to say. Uh, the, talks about how they would wear certain attire. They'd have boxes tied to their heads and all this kind of stuff. They, they would make sacrifices. They would even cut themselves if they needed to. And the reason they did this, the reason why they prayed like that, watch this, is because they believed that the louder they were and the more smarter they sounded, or the more religious they sounded, and, and the more cuts they made and all this stuff, they believed they could actually bend God's will to match theirs. They thought that the louder I pray and the, the more I hurt myself, watch this, that God will be in heaven and go, okay, 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 you can have it. Just stop cutting yourself. Stop being so loud. Okay, okay, I'll stop what I'm doing and let you do what you want to do. That was what they believed about prayer. And I think many of us, in a similar way, have been led to believe that prayer is really about three things. And I have to write them down for you and I'll explain. Okay? We've been led to believe that prayer is about convincing God, informing God, and in this word I made up, faithing God. So let me explain, okay? We've been kind of led, taught, or, or, or kind of put in a position to believe that prayer is about convincing God. So, so for example, you might be like, God, listen, you know, I really need a job, you know? I mean, I, I know I got to convince you to give it to me, but if I don't get a job, then I can't pay my bills, and then I can't eat, and then I'm going to starve, and then I can't pay for gas to go to church. And so we're convincing God to do what we want him to do, right? Or we think we are informing God. Like, God, just so you know, I've only got $20 in the bank account, you know, as if God doesn't know, right? Or, or we find ourselves faithing God. Like, maybe if I pray enough, maybe if I light the candles and I'll get up real early in the morning and maybe if I don't eat a sandwich or what, maybe I can faith God into doing what I want. Now, here's what I thought was interesting. I don't know if you caught this. But we have been taught that prayer is us communicating with God, right? So God is our father, so child communicating to God. And that's what we've always thought prayer was, you know, uh, that's what it is. And so it's interesting to me that we tend to take the same pattern that we have when it comes to communicating with our parents when we want something. All right, now it might be hard for some of you, but let's go back to when we were kids, all right? For some of you, it was just a couple years ago. For some of us, it was a lot longer ago, all right? So let's go back to when we were kids. And remember what it was like when you were asking your parents for something, all right? Let's pretend you were asking so that your friend could spend the night on Saturday night. Remember that? Did anybody ever do that? Anybody ever ask to get your friend to spend the night? All right. How many of you uh, in Memphis on Friday nights back in the day, we would go to a place called Skateland, all right? And Skateland was where it was happening on Friday night. Y'all remember that? My Memphis folks. Oh, um, you could die. That's probably what's going to happen if you go. But, but I remember asking, you remember asking your parents if you could go somewhere on Friday night? right? So let's just take those two examples. You're asking your parents if your friends can spend a night. You're asking your parents if you can go to Skateland on Friday night. First thing we try to do is convince them. Come on, mom. You got to let me go. I'm the only person in school that doesn't get to go. You got to let me go. Everybody's there. Tommy's there. You know, Sally's there, whoever it is you hang out with. I never met a Sally that age. But, you know, you know, these are who I'm hanging out with. All my friends, the whole 
school is there. You know how we say stuff like that? It's not even true. The whole school's not there. Miss Workman is not there. She's not skating. You know what I mean? Everybody's not there. But we have to convince our parents, right? Am I right? Then we got to inform them. Mom, it's Friday night. It's half off. This is the only night where you can get the skates and entry for $10. Mom, if you take me on Monday, it's going to cost you $30. Friday, it's only $10. We're informing our parents. And then there's faithing them. This, I, this, another word for this would be bothering them. But, I, you know, we, we like to spiritualize it, so we're going to call it faithing them. And this is, if I ask her enough times, eventually she'll take me just so I will what? Shut up. I used to always like to go to card shows on the weekend, card, like, like basketball cards and football cards. You could go and buy them and trade them. And my dad would always take me on Sunday, but he liked to watch the golf tournament first. And he didn't understand that the golf tournament ends after the card show ends. So I needed him to like, we got to go. And so I would, I would start off trying to convince him like, dad, we can go and then we can come back. I try to try to, you know, inform him like it stops at 12. Your little dumb golf thing is going to go till two. Like, you know, and then I just, I just start, I start bothering him. Here's what he would tell me. He would say, if you keep bothering me, I'm not going to take you at all. And so it backfired on me. Right. But this is kind of how, if we were honest, this is kind of the pattern that we have for prayer. I go to pray and I say, thank you, God, for this day. You're awesome. Get that out of the way. And now I either need to convince him, inform him, or faith him into doing what I need him to do. Jesus promised to do anything if we asked in his name. Now, here's the context of this. Jesus knows that he is about to go to be with the Father and that his mission is now going to be in the hands of the disciples. And so when he says, you can have anything in my name, he means anything that is involved with his character, his authority, and his will. In other words, anything you need to do the mission of God, you can ask for in Jesus' name and he will give it to you. It doesn't mean whatever you want. It means whatever resource you need to accomplish what God has already called you to accomplish. Let me give you an example. Could you imagine if I went to Jenny and said, hey, can you build a team that could watch the kids for the nursery so we could have church? And she said, yes. And she called me and said, I got a team. I'll see you at church on Sunday. And I said, great. And she showed up on Sunday and she walked in the hallway and she said, where is everything? Where's the diapers and where's the changing tables? And I said, well, why didn't you get it? And she would be like, wait a minute. You asked me to do this. I'm doing this for you. The least you can do is provide the resource, right? Everybody expects that. And so Jesus says, listen, I'm asking you to continue what I started, sharing the gospel. And anything you need to be able to share the gospel, if you ask in my name, in line with my will, in line with my authority, in line with my character, I will do it. It's not about imposing our will. It's about surrendering our will. There's a book that C.S. Lewis wrote called The Great Divorce. In the book, he actually illustrates hell as a place where everybody gets what they want. So think about this. For us, a place where we get everything we want is heaven. A place where all of us get whatever we want is hell. And here's what I mean by that. Let's just start off real basic. Some of you want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Some of you want the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Some of you wanted the Packers in the Super Bowl. Some of you wanted the Titans in the Super Bowl. Some of you want to see Tom Brady retire, right? Some of you want to see things that are not biblical to say in church. So, so just, just from that alone, if everybody got what they wanted, it would be like church, kids, basketball league, everybody would get a trophy, right? Let's take weather. Some of you want it to rain. Some of you want it to snow. Some of you want sunshine, right? If we all get what we want, the truth is everybody wants something that somebody else doesn't want. It's just fact. And if we always get what we want, then we will end up where we don't want to be. 
Think about it. How many things right now that you can look back and go, man, if I would have gotten what I wanted when I was a senior in high school, then I would have been somewhere that I don't want to be, right? If we get what we want now, we end up with something that we don't want later. I think it was the great country prophet who said, uh, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't. I'm in, I'm, we're, in, we're like Nashville's 20 minutes away, guys. This is Garth Brooks. Come on, somebody get with it. Some of God's greatest gifts are what? Okay, thank you, babe. Apparently, it's just me and you at church today. So we'll, we'll go back to online in our living room. Um, either that or we're buying Garth Brooks CDs for everybody in the church. Or maybe Chris Gaines. It's an inside joke. You won't get it unless you're a Garth Brooks fan. Uh, anyway, there's a line in the song, though, that's so incredible that he says, and here's what he says. He's talking about how he's with his wife at a football game and like some girl he liked maybe in high school comes up. Here's what he says. He says, as she walked away, I looked at my wife. And then and there, I thanked the good Lord for the gifts in my life. Here's what he's saying. Had I got what I wanted then, I wouldn't have what I love now. So this attitude of prayer is about me convincing and informing and faithing God into doing what I want. It's not about imposing our will. Because listen to me. Probably most of the things you want right now, you won't want next year. So it's not about convincing God. When you make prayer about our way, we will eventually get our way, and then we will lose our way. Because here's what I've learned. Christians tend to be the worst at this. When we want something, that we've prayed about and God hasn't given it to us because it's not in his will, a lot of times we'll force our way to get it anyway. And eventually because of that, we look back and we've lost our way because we wanted our way, so we made sure we got our way. And that principle, that concept, is what's impacting and infecting our belief about prayer. Now, let me show you something that, that's really interesting. Jesus says something in Matthew chapter 6 that I have to point out to you when it comes to prayer, all right? So, so it's, this is not in John. I know we've been in John, but, but you know, Matthew, John, they're both experiencing this moment. You've got to hear it from Matthew's point of view. It says in chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. We we're just talking about these guys, the religious hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others, right? Now watch this. Truly I tell you, they have received their what? reward in full, okay? Remember that. Keep that in your mind. They've received their reward in full. Move on. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will what? Reward you. So he just said, Hypocritic, hypocrites who stand on the street corner and pray loudly to get attention, they've already received their reward. But when you go and you pray quietly to your unseen father, not for attention, but for presence with him, he will reward you. Jesus made it really clear. Listen, are you listening? Jesus made it really clear that with prayer, there is reward. With prayer, there is a guaranteed reward. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the truth is that we assume that the reward for prayer is getting what we prayed for, right? Like, like God, I'm praying for a job. If you want to reward me, give me a job. Like, just kind of makes sense, right? Like, I'm praying for, for a relationship, or I'm praying for a raise, or I'm praying for a, someone who's sick to be healed. And if you'd like to reward me, God, I got some great wisdom in this situation. If you'd like to reward me, why don't you just give me what I prayed for? That's how you could reward me, and that's how we think. Interestingly enough, the other day, 
me and Darla and Vadar in a conversation, uh, a debate maybe, a loud volume conversation, if you know what I mean, and we're, we're working through some stuff, and Veda says, you never listen to me, and she, and she exits the room, and Darla and I are sitting there talking, and, and as talking, we just kind of, this statement came out, and we didn't even plan to say it, it just came out, and here was the statement. She only thinks we're listening to her when she gets her way, right? Like when she doesn't get her way, she doesn't think we're listening to her. But, but when she gets her way, she obviously thinks we're listening to her. What she doesn't realize is we're listening to her both times. But sometimes she can't get away and sometimes she can. And you and I think the same way when it comes to God. He's listening to me when I get my way. But when I don't get my way, he's not listening to me. And the reason we think that way is because we think the reward for prayer is getting what we prayed for. So I'm going to ask a question for you and for me, because you may not want to ask it in public, because it could be sacrilegious. It could be one of those things where you might get, you know, you think you might get mightied or, you know, or whatever it is. Uh, and so, so let's, let's, I'll, I'll ask it. And then if, if you agree with it, you can just under your breath go like, mm, he, he, he right, he right, you know, whatever it might. Okay, so, so let me ask the question. Here we go. It's a long question, then it has like the, the summed up question at the end. If my prayers are not about convincing God, because he's going to do whatever he wants to do, right? Remember we talked about WDJHIM, what does Jesus have in mind? He's sitting there with Philip. He says, he asked Philip what he wants to do. He says that Jesus already had in mind what he's going to do. So if you're not out to convince God, because God's going to do his will regardless, Right? He's going to do his will for God. You've probably already heard things before that would say, like, you, you can ask him, but he's going to do what he wants to do anyway. You've heard those kind of statements. So if our prayer is not about convincing God, and it's not about informing God, because God knows what? Everything. Everything. I've heard people say this. God already knows what you're going to ask him before you ask him. Then why am I asking him? Right? Like, like, if it's not about convincing him because he's going to do what he wants to do anyway, and if it's not about informing him because he already knows everything, and it's not about faithing him because there's a chance that my prayer is going to go unanswered no matter how long I fast and no matter how long I pray, there's still a chance that he won't do it. Here's the question. You ready? Then why pray at all? See, I knew you wouldn't want to ask it. Some of you right now are like, he's about to get struck. Why pray if I'm not convincing God to do it, if I'm not informing God about it, if I'm not faithing God into it, then why am I praying at all? If God already knows what I'm going to ask him before I ask him, then please tell me why am I praying? Am I right? If God's going to do what he wants to do no matter what I ask, then why? Am I the only one? Maybe, maybe y'all should be preaching to me. Have I lost it? Have I gone off the edge? Like, like, why even pray at all? And so some of you watching online are like, oh, this is it. He's, yep, he's, about to, he's about to make a statement. The church will be done. We'll close the whole church down. Luckily, no. That's not what's going to happen. What I'm about to show you is Jesus gives us a couple of verses that answers both questions simultaneously. He answers the question, why am I praying? And he answers the question, am I doing it right? He answers both of those with so much confidence that if you will hear what I'm saying in just these last few moments, you will never ask again, am I doing it right? And you will never ask again, why even pray at all? So let's go to Matthew 6. Because we started off this story talking about the disciples walking up to Jesus and hearing Jesus pray. And it was so incredible and it was so different and his why was different. And it was such a moment for them that it was something they were never used to because watch this, they had been raised being told that their prayer life was about convincing God and informing God and faithing God. And so every time they prayed, they went through a process that was about convincing God. If I set the room up, if I wear the right stuff, I'm convincing God. If I bring the right information, I'm informing God. If I do it right loud enough in the street, I'm faith in God. And so when they saw Jesus pray, they said, oh my goodness, that's not like anything I've ever seen before. Can you please teach us how to pray? And Jesus said, then 
this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, there's a chance that you've heard this prayer before, maybe from a grandparent, maybe you've been in church long enough to hear it, maybe you were on a sports team and they prayed it right before they went out and played the Friday night football game, or you might be used to it so much that right now you're saying, hey, Troy, that's really good. Like, great job reading the Bible, buddy, but, but that doesn't help me at all. I, I knew those verses and I still wondered if I was praying right. I don't even know what hallowed means. And why pray it? I'm still confused. But listen to me. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it was less about the words and more about the pattern. It's not about the words. It's about the pattern. Okay? So, let's get that ready. Let's break it down for a second. He starts with our Father in heaven, hallowed be the name. Be your name. The concept here is declaring God's greatness. Here's what he's saying. He's saying the very first thing you should do when you pray, the very first thing you should do is take into, how do I say this? To have a perspective shift that the God of the earth, that the God who spoke the earth into existence, that the God who breathed into dirt and formed man, that that God, the God, wants to sit down and talk to you. He said, our Father, which means intimacy, in heaven, which means eternal. He was combining these two so that you could grasp the fact that the God, the God of creation wants to sit down at your kitchen table, have a cup of coffee, and just hear how you're doing. How you're doing. He just wants to be with you. And there's this exchange that happens where you realize how amazing he is. Hallowed be your name. Authority, honor, glory. Glory sits at my kitchen table and wants to, listen, doesn't want to tell me how bad I've been or how, just wants to spend time with me. Jesus says, this is how you're supposed to start prayer is by recognizing that your father is God and that God is your father and that he wants to be with you. It's about declaring the greatness of God. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now he's talking about surrendering our will. See, you have a kingdom and I have a kingdom. I have a wife and kids and a car and a, and a house. and I have a kingdom and then I have a will and I really want what I want for that kingdom and that will. And Jesus says, listen, first you've got to recognize that the, the creator of the world wants to sit at a table and be intimate with you. And the next thing you need to understand is this, is that you've got to be able to surrender what you want and celebrate what he wants. Everything you just brought to the table in prayer, you've got to be okay with saying, you know what? I don't care if you do it or not. Because it's not even about what I want. Because in the words of Garth Brooks, I may not want it later. So what I want is what you want. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Can I give you a confession real quick? These two areas, we're going to talk about the next three real quick. I'm sorry. But this is where we should stay majority of the time. We should just put the car in park and hang out here. If you just spent, test me on this. Take the next seven days until we gather. Do me a favor. Wake up every morning or whenever it is you pray at night, whatever, and spend your entire prayer time with two thoughts. Number one, God, I can't believe that the God of creation loves me and wants to talk to me. Can I tell you about my day? Today, I woke up. I took the girls to school. Just, just be with God. And then make this your prayer. Whatever your will is, God. God, we, we really need a building for our church. You know what? Whatever your will is. God, I really want my wife's business to take off. You know, whatever your will is. 
God, I got this relationship I need you to work on. God, whatever your will is. Whatever your will. I just pray. Catch, I have never been more free in my life than I am right now. Because my prayer time majority is saying, God, whatever you want. You want me to pastor your church? Let's do it. You don't? I don't care. Whatever you want, the stress is gone. Can we, man, I, please hear my heart crying out to you. This is where we need to stay. This is where we need to stay. God, you're great. Let your will be done. God, you're great. Let your will be done. That will solve everything else. I'll show you. He goes on then to say, give us today our daily bread. And you're like, yep, that's my part right there. That's what I was waiting for the whole give me part. That's what, you know, God, you're great. We love you. Get out the way. Now give me what I want. Now this isn't what we think it is. People will communicate that this is your time to express what you need God to give you. Obviously you need to pray about what, do, we won't go into that right now. But let me tell you what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, number one, that God gives us the resource we need for his will. God, give us today my daily bread. I prayed your will. Now give me whatever resource I need for that. God, if your will is for me to get a raise, then let me talk to the person that's gonna help that happen this week. You see what I mean? Give me your resource for your will. But here's what else he was saying. When he spoke that to the disciples, they knew exactly what he was saying because their ancestors were the children of Israel that were going through the wilderness, being led by Moses, and God would send them manna from heaven on a daily basis. He would send them bread, and if they tried to keep that bread to the next day, it would mold and maggots would be in it. So literally, they had to trust God daily for resource. So they had to wake up, oh, God gave us bread. They had to eat it, and where most of us would want to keep it just in case the toilet paper ain't there next week, you know what I mean? We want to, we want to hoard it. God says, you can't do that because you have to learn to trust me. I'm a whole nother sermon right here. We got a problem where we want to be able to take on what God gave us before and keep it so we don't have to trust him anymore, right? But there's something God's saying, no, daily, daily, surrender what I gave you yesterday so you can take what I got for you today. You got to trust him daily. But here's what Moses would have told them. Moses would have told the children of Israel, listen to Jeff, he would have told them, there's going to come a day where you have so much resource that people are going to be coming to you. Do not forget that God was the one who gave you your bread daily. So now prayer is about me recognizing that this great God wants to be with me. It's about surrendering what I want so that God has what he wants. And now it's reminding me, watch this, it's not about request, it's about recognition. Oh God, you're faithful, you gave it to me. Thank God for you. Then he says, forgive us our debts and we forgive our debtors. This is recognizing our need for God's grace and our responsibility to give God's grace. This is being reminded, yeah, I'm a sinner, forgive me for my sins, because we sin daily, daily we sin. So we forgive, we ask God to forgive us for our sins and then we are reminded, and it's so good, we talked about a couple weeks ago, we are reminded that everybody falls short of the glory of God and so the same grace that we were given, we should show to them. This is the part of prayer where God mends all your relationships because you are reminded that you're not perfect and you are reminded that the people who have upset you aren't perfect either. And so if God can forgive you, who are you to not forgive them? And he says, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one or from evil, depending on the version you're reading. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Prayer is not the place for you to bring your sin bucket and dump out your sins so that you can go sin some more. He said, prayer is the place where you take the bucket and you leave it and you say, God, I don't want to do this no more. I'm not coming and praying so that I can go back and sin. I'm praying because I don't want to sin no more. I want to be delivered from this. Deliver me from the evil one. Set me free. Lead me not into temptation. Encourage me that I can be free in God. So, remember the pattern when we started? Convincing God, informing God, faith in God. So now he says, first is about perspective. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's, that's perspective. I gotta, I gotta remember that. Oh boy. My God wants to be with me. Then, then he starts talking about expectation. 
God, I got all these expectations of my will, but I surrender them to your will, right? Then, I might mess up this word. Now, acknowledgement for my God gives me my daily bread, right? Then he says, confession, for I have sinned, forgive me for my sins, and then I recognize that they have sinned and I, I forgive them. And then he says, man, you can do this. You can be set free from that. It doesn't have to rule you. It's encouragement. Now, okay, this is the new pattern of prayer. You've been going by convincing, informing, and faith in God, which is why you can step up and go, am I doing it right? Because I'm not convincing him to do anything. And I'm not informing him about anything, and I'm not changing his mind about anything. Am I doing it right? And if God isn't going to do what you're asking for, then why even pray at all? But if the pattern for prayer is, God, I want a perspective shift. God, I, I want my expectations to change. I want to be, I want to acknowledge all that you are for me. I want to confess my shortcomings and confess the relationships, and I want to be encouraged that I can live this life free in the Spirit of God. Let me ask you, is there ever a point where you would do this and go, I don't know why I'm praying? No. But none of it is about you getting what you want. It's never about you getting what you want. But God's will is what you want. So if you've ever wondered, am I doing it right? If you do it like this, you never have to ask that question again. This is how you do it right. Again, it's not about the words. You don't walk around telling people how hallowed God is. It's the pattern. It's not the words. Amen? So we answered both your questions this morning. Am I doing it right? I don't know if you were, but now you are. Well, what if God isn't? Why should I pray? Because it's never been about what you want. It's about your perspective. It's about your expectations. It's about you acknowledging God, it's about you confessing, and it's about you being encouraged. Now, one last thing, I'll be done, we'll pray. Remember how I told you there's a reward for prayer? Remember that? We established that we think the reward is us getting what we want, and that's why we're confused, because sometimes we pray and we don't get what we want, but Jesus said, every time I pray, I get a reward. In Matthew 6, Jesus told us the reward. The reward is peace. You heard the country preacher say, don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems what? How big your God is. That's peace. God, I really want my will to happen. Man, give that up. Give that up. You're supposed to go somewhere. I'm supposed to be on the mission field. I'm supposed to be involved. I'm supposed to... Do you trust God for it? Because if it's God's will, you're going to get there. If it's not God's will, it don't matter how hard you try. If you do, you will force yourself there and you'll be miserable. So just be free. And every morning go, God, today give me your will. The acknowledgement that God is the one that brings that resource anyway. The confession that I don't have to try to be perfect because I'm a sinner. And the confession that you don't have to hold the grudge you have against them because they're sinners too. And then the peace that the more I do this, the more God will lead me away from temptation and away from evil, and I have peace. Prayer has never been, nor will it ever be, about what I want. 
It'll be about me having peace. And that is the right way to do it. Father, we thank you for your word. That word you say thousands of years ago are still gripping our heart today. And I just pray that this word was received. For every person that's ever prayed and wanted so bad to just be in your presence, but they weren't sure if they were doing it right. For every person that wanted to pray, but they started to wonder, why am I even praying at all? I pray they would take this pattern and it would encourage them and empower them to pray harder and longer than they've ever prayed. And I pray that they will see that the reward that they want from you is not not this or that. It's the peace that you give us. Especially if we'll park in the idea that the creator of the world wants to spend time with me and that he's already got a will planned. And if I will pray his will over my will, the stress is gone. I'm so in love with you, God. I'm so thankful for your direction. I'm thankful that you change our why. Because when we get the right why, it'll be hard for people to pull us away from prayer. And the reason why people don't want to pray today, God, isn't because they don't think it works. It isn't because, it's because they don't understand why they're doing it. So I just pray right now for every person watching, every person in this room that needed to hear this word, that they would walk out of this place and that their action step would be, I've got to start praying daily. I've got a pattern. I got to start it daily. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.